Welcome to the Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton, and joining us today is SYP creator Fuji. Fuji, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're going to be doing an NBA podcast today. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. And then on Friday evening, probably, we're going to be doing our second SYP podcast when we know all the playoff matchups. So we can do a full playoff preview. Uh, today, we're just recording on the play-in games, none of which are happening today. They start on Tuesday. And some award predictions. And we have some viewer-submitted questions. So, there we go. Let's go. We got questions. We got people who are interested in what we're doing, which is always nice to see. Um, Fuji, what game do you want to start with to talk about? Do you want to go east to west or do you have just a game in mind? No, let's go east to west. All right. So we'll start. I'm going to we'll start with the east, uh, the 9-10 matchup in the east yeah. between Indiana and Charlotte. Um the Pacers are a weird team. They are. I have the record here. Just give me a second. I can pull it up. Pacers are 34 and 38. Charlotte is 33-39. So there are a game difference between one another. Uh, Charlotte is back with the mellow ball. He's in the lineup. He's healthy. He's, he's you know, giving the Hornets relevance. Uh, the Pacers are led by DeMontis Sabonis, who is not quite the mellow ball uh, as a player uh, or as a hype machine. Um, I'll start with you. Who do you think is going to win that game, Charlotte or Indiana? Um, I think it depends on how healthy the Hornets are and how healthy the Pacers are when the series starts. Uh, I was watching the Wizards play the Hornets yesterday, and you know Charlotte has been able to put together like huge scoring runs, and then they just go cold, like um, just kind of randomly, honestly. Um, and, you know, Gordon Hayward did not play in that Hornets game. Um, I'm hoping that he does play in his upcoming game because it would kind of suck. Um, you know, you only have one game to play. Um, also, the Pacers have been banged up all season. Um, you know, shout out to their medical staff, really, really doing their job. I mean, they've got, they got their hands full of the season. Um, you know, I would like to see. I'm, I'm hoping Malcolm Brogdon's healthy. I'm hoping everybody's healthy because, you know, you only get one game. You're not getting to see a whole series. I want to see everybody play through this one game because you, you win or you lose, you win or go home. Uh, for what it's worth, I'm going to roll with the Pacers. Okay. I'm going to take Indiana to win. I'm not confident in that pick whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, I've just kind of been an Indiana stand because uh, yeah. last last time we talked, I I made the argument that Sabonis is the best pacer in history, even though he he isn't. But still, I'm rooting for Sabonis. I don't like you say I don't know if Miles Turner is completely healthy if he's going to be playing in this game or not. Um, I think the Hornets are not a great matchup for the Pacers in terms of how they like to play basketball, especially offensively with you know everything being run by Lamelo. I don't know yeah. if, they have, if Indiana has a guard to stop LaMelo Ball. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm going to go with the Pacers to beat Charlotte. I think Charlotte's the favorite. I'm just going to check it. But I think Charlotte's the favorite. Uh, who do you have winning and why? Uh, you know, I think this is a really close one. And I think that stylistically, the Hornets have the edge here. I think they play a bit faster. Uh, they have a bigger diversity in their scores. 
we've seen, you know, big performances from a lot of different guys on the Hornets this season. And you know, I don't think the Pacers have that spread of talent offensively. Um, but I do think that uh, they will definitely give LaMelo a, a tough time, uh, you know, with their backcourt, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, pretty underrated guy, uh, TJ McConnell's giving, giving everybody that work this season. Uh, you know, it kind of sucks that we won't be seeing TJ Warren in this game, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Pacers are favored against the Hornets. So the Pacers, according to DraftKings, uh, Pacers are favored over the Hornets by three and a half points. Um, it's a it's a weird game because I feel like there is some momentum with Charlotte. Indiana's kind of been like this all year, especially with the Oladipo trade too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I I don't think either one of these teams are going to provide any first round upsets either. Like I I think this is just a one and done type thing. They maybe yeah. The the team that wins this game is probably losing to either Boston or Washington in the next play in game anyways. So. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Indiana, and we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm not confident, but we'll see. Hey, somebody has to believe. Somebody has to believe. Um, Washington, Boston. That's the 7 8 uh, matchup in the East. Uh, the loser doesn't get eliminated like in the 9 10. The loser will play the winner of Indiana and Charlotte. What do you think is going to be the X factor in this one game between the Celtics and the Wizards? The X factor. Um, X factor. I think it's going to have to be Kemba Walker at the end of the day. All right. Um, because there's no way that Kemba Walker can stop Russell Westbrook. I mean, Kemba Walker is like my height and weight, and Russell Westbrook is just an athletic freak. Um, so. I think Kemba has to, you know, I don't think he can do a ton defensively versus Westbrook. Um, I think they'll probably opt Kemba out of that matchup as well. Um, I just think Kemba has to be a very big scorer. I think he has to be very aggressive, especially since the Celtics don't have Jalen Brown for for these games or any upcoming series in the playoffs. Uh, Kemba Walker just needs to do he needs to do a lot of damage every single game. Um, and, you know, he's been, he's definitely regressed this season. He's been playing off of Tatum and Brown. Uh, I would love to see cardiac Kemba back in action. I wonder if he, how motivated he will be. Cause he's heard a lot of negativity this season. Like there's been a lot of talk of even if he'll come back to Boston, mm-hmm. uh, just with how his play has been this season. Uh, my X factor, I'm probably going to say Marcus Smart. Smart's a weird play in this game. I don't know how the Celtics are going to use him if they're I, – I just don't know. I'm fascinated to see. I'm excited to see him against either Westbrook or Beal and or Beal if they decide to do that or if they just decide to play him against the bench players for the Wizards. I don't know. Don't know. But I'm just interested to see how Marcus Smart – plays in this game plus there's a little bit of history between the Wizards and the Celtics like going way back not that I think any of the players playing in this game will remember except for smart because there's so much transition in the NBA in terms of player turnover yeah 
But I'm going to say Marcus Smart is the next factor in this game. Okay. Uh, uh, who do you have winning in the play-in between Boston and Washington? Uh, between how streaky the Celtics are and, you know, how hot the Wizards have been, I'm definitely going with the Wizards on this one. Um, you know, the Celtics are missing their second best guy and their bench and young players have been very inconsistent. Even Tatum has been inconsistent, but we've seen him have ginormous, uh, ginormous games just throughout the season. And I think realistically, it kind of depends on if, if uh, Jason Tatum is going to give us another, you know, 60 piece nugget meal. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but, you know, I just think the the Wizards, uh, they're healthy, they're ready to play, and, you know, they've got, like, arguably, you know, the second best backcourt in the NBA. What do you think Tatum dips his nuggets in? Like, barbecue sauce, sweet sour sauce? I don't know. Uh I, I, I think he goes for some, some kind of hot sauce, man. Some kind of hot sauce? Okay, because I, I go for ketchup. Ketchup is my go-to sauce, and I'm interested to hear okay. what other people say. I know barbecue is an option. I know sweet and sour, mustard. I'm going with honey mustard. Honey mustard? Okay. I'll, I'll go with ketchup. If Tatum's listening, I hope he tells us what his dipping sauce is for nuggets. Um, I'm going to say the Wizards win this game because just between those two teams, uh, I think the Wizards – are the team with the highest potential, like the greater ceiling. I think the Wizards are than the Celtics this yeah, year, uh, sure. even even with Westbrook and Beal dominating and just playing all their ISO ball. I still feel like that's a, a greater chance at winning this game, maybe even going further in the playoffs than the Celtics with what they're at right now. And I like Brad Stevens. I think he's a great coach, but in just in terms of what I think a team's, greatest potential can be or highest potential. I think it's going to be the wizards who advance and go further than the Celtics. Yep. Uh, we'll move over to the West. Now we'll start with the nine, 10 matchup. We'll save the best for last. We'll, we'll go with the nine, 10 okay. matchup uh, with the Spurs and the Grizzlies. So the Spurs and the Grizzlies are a weird matchup in a way because you have the old dog, Greg Popovich, who he, he's got a team that's 33-39, older, even though they have some younger guards, but an older team, like Patty Mills is still on his team, going up against, it seems like everyone's favorite new superstar in John Morant with the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. How old is Patty Mills? Look? It's got to be like 40. <laughs> 32. Uh, I'm a little that's off. But... That, that sounds right, though. That sounds right for Patty Mills. He, he definitely seems like 32. Um, uh, Memphis is 38 and 34. So Memphis has a winning record. John Morant, everyone's new favorite superstar. Memphis is on the up. They're, they're, you know, they felt like a 7, 8, seed 9 coming into the season. I think Memphis is mm-hmm. about where we thought they were going to be this year. Um what, what's the matchup that you're looking forward to forward to in this game between the Spurs and the Grizzlies? Um, you know, honestly, I'm not the biggest on the Spurs backcourt. Um, I think my matchup is probably going to be DeRozan 
and Dylan Brooks. That's probably the matchup I want to see the most. Um, you know, I know DeJounte Murray is kind of like supposed to be that guy. Um, hasn't really impressed me as much as some other guards around the league. Uh, yeah, I don't think John Moran versus DeJounte Murray is something I like. I stay up till like midnight to go and watch. Uh, I definitely think Dylan Brooks has been a big part of the success of the Grizzlies this season. He's definitely, he definitely improves every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely like to see him play against DeRozan, who is still an elite player. He's literally the best guy in the mid-range area in the entire league. Uh, maybe outside of Durant. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope that DeRozan can have a really good performance. I think he deserves to kind of show people how good he is at this game, especially I think he was definitely stumped at being an all-star this year. I, I'm going to say the Jakob Poitel, Jonas Valanciunas, because Valanciunas is still healthy, right? Like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the, the former Raptors, meeting in the, you know, in the paint, I am excited to see how that's going to go. Valanciunas should win that matchup, but I, I, I'm excited to see if, you know, you know, the young man's got it against the old wily veteran in Jonas Valanciunas. Um, I just think, that, I don't know. I just feel like that's going to be really fascinating between with Memphis and San Antonio and how mm-hmm. those two teams like to play. I'm excited to watch that. That's going to be my ma- matchup to watch in that game. Uh, who do you have winning Spurs or Grizzlies? I definitely have the Grizzlies for this one. Uh, they definitely have, they've definitely been good, especially since their team really doesn't have too many uh, veterans that you can really go and rely on other than outside of Valanciunas. Uh, you know, they've got a great young core with John Morant, Dylan Brooks, and Jaron Jackson Jr., and I think that'll carry them through this game. Like the Pacers, I'm a bit of a Spurs stand still because of, you know, I like Pop. I like their guards, even though, like you say, DeJounte Murray hasn't had the season like we expected. It hasn't been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Derek White as a guard. I still like 32-year-old Patty Mills for what he is and for what he tries to do. I'll say the Spurs win just to be different. And just to be exciting, I know that the Spurs are going to be losing to whoever. If they do, if the Spurs win this game, they're losing to either the Lakers or the Warriors. Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying the Spurs are better than the Lakers or the Warriors. I just think in this one off, the Spurs might be able to pull it off, and it's going to be like some low-scoring 98-94 type game that the Spurs shut down the Grizzlies and win. Uh, I'm confident with that. So. With that being said, let's go to the final game mm-hmm. in the in the West for the play-in. The 7-8 matchup between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. And I'm going to put a question in right away. Two questions. Well, first question. First, oh, we have a few questions. But first question coming from SYP creator Scotty K. How do you stop Steph Curry? Um. Obviously, you could turn out the lights so he can't see when he shoots. That's uh, definitely been a viable option for the Pelicans. Um, realistically, I don't think the Lakers have the tools to stop Stephen Curry. Um, outside of Dennis Schroeder saying that he's 
you know, playing $84 million defense, uh, which he didn't accept, by the way. Um, you know, I, I really think this is a terrible matchup for the Lakers. It's probably a nightmarish matchup, especially since you have Andre Drummond running at, you know, grandma level speed uh, up and down the floor. I, I just don't see how the Lakers can stop Stephen Curry. I don't think it comes down to stopping Stephen Curry. I think it's limiting Jordan Poole, limiting Andrew Wiggins, um, making Draymond mad early so he just doesn't think when he plays. Um, I really don't know how you stop Steph Curry this year. Um, you know, but, you know, he's a shooter, and shooters do have cold nights. So Lakers definitely got to hope that he has one of those – I'm going to be that guy who just says that uh, Steph, the way to stop him is you basically how to stop the Warriors is a by stopping Steph. And you just like, you go full court, either press or trap. Whenever he gets over half court, you're just not giving him like, you are going to be working for 60 minutes if you're the Lakers. Uh, if you want to, if you want to, if you really want to stop Steph. Now you don't necessarily, like if you're the Lakers, you don't necessarily have to win this game. I don't know if there's really, like, I don't know if you really, like, if it's much of a difference between playing Utah or playing Phoenix. I don't think it really makes too much of a difference. I think they're both really good teams that the Lakers could beat. But in terms of just this game, you're just pressuring. My, my thing to stopping Steph is just you, you're pressuring him. You're, you know, making him work for 48, what's it, basketball, 48 minutes, not 60 minutes of using yeah. hockey slang. Uh, you're making him work for 48 minutes and you're, you're not even letting him out of your sight. Like somebody has got to be with him, whether it's Caruso Schroeder, somebody has got to be on him the entire time, never giving him space, never getting him comfortable. That's I think the only chance you have of slowing down step. Um, next question. I'm going to go, to our guest Tanner, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, he asked, "Warriors or Lakers?" Question mark. Who are you taking to win this game, Warriors Lakers? Um, I am actually taking the Warriors to win this game. Okay. Um, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, I just don't think I, this is a good matchup for the Lakers. I think the Warriors play very fast basketball. They're very good around the arc, even though some of their players haven't been very consistent this year. Um, you know, but when they do get hot, they do get hot. And, you know, I think definitely the Warriors could come out running and the Lakers, because the Lakers really want to play at their own, at their own pace. They don't want to have to, you know, try and keep up with another team. And the Warriors are, one of the fastest teams, really. You know, they've got a lot of athletic players and great shooters. Um, you know, I just can't imagine Andre Drummond's slow ass going up and down the court. I can't imagine Marcus All running up and down the court. Uh, even Trez isn't that fast. Except I'd be scared if I saw Trez running at me. Uh, you know, I just don't think it's a good matchup for the Lakers. I'm going to pick the Lakers just because, like, not that I, I think you're right. I think the Warriors will probably win. However, the thing with playing Golden State, especially when you play old in Golden State, but I think there's something to be said when Curry is healthy and playing for the Warriors. 
there's going to be a run. Like Golden State's going to go on a run at some point in this game. Like they're going to go on a, a on a 18 to five scoring run at some point in this game. And you have to be prepared for it. Like you have to yeah. know it's coming and you can't get down. It's going to suck when it happens, but you're, you got to know that it's coming because Steph Curry is that good. And he's going to get hot at some point. I think the Lakers will beat the Warriors though. I, I think they'll find a way they'll make it work. I, I, feel like the Warriors depth is not quite as good as the Lakers depth in terms of just all around scoring. I feel like the Lakers have more scoring options. Again, it's going to be a really close game. Like this might be a one oh one ninety six type game. Like this is going to be a really close game where it could go either way, but I'm going to say the Lakers just win a close nail biter and they put a, and they probably exert a lot of energy to win this game. Yeah. I'll take the Lakers uh, to beat the Warriors. So you have the the Hornets, you have the Wizards, and yep. you have you have the Grizzlies, and you have the Lakers. Or the, the, Warriors. the Warriors, excuse me, the Warriors. <laughs> I have the Lakers, I have the Spurs, I have the Wizards, and I have the Pacers. Glad glad great minds think alike here. Um, so if you have the Wizards playing the Hornets, mm. uh no, you would have you would have the Celtics playing the Hornets. You have yeah. the Celtics playing the Hornets because that's how the play-in works. I'm still I'm still getting used to it. I'll figure it out. You have the Celtics playing the Hornets. Who wins that game? Um, I'm going with the Hornets on this one. Ooh. Uh, realistically, uh, the Hornets team definitely should have been a higher seed than they are. Yeah. Uh, you know that's not the. And, you know, people said, like, oh, you know, Jalen – I mean, Jalen Brown went out at the end of the year. Um, you know, the Celtics team just hasn't really put it together. And we've seen games where they have been very good, um, but they just haven't been consistent. And this is realistically uh, the spot that they should be in. They definitely be on the lower end of the playoffs. Um, the Hornets are definitely a better team than they chose – on the standings. And I think if Gordon Hayward's back, back for these games, then I don't really think that Celtics could stop them. Interesting. You know, this is a Gordon Hayward revenge game. Yeah. Which I'm excited to see. Um, I, I'm, I'd say if the Celtics are playing the Hornets, I'd say the Celtics win. I'm gonna okay. take the Celtics. I think I think I like the coaching better. I feel like Brad Stevens can out coach and, and can put his team in better situations than Charlotte. Uh, for me, I have Boston playing Indiana. I'm also gonna take Boston in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing: is that Boston's better than an eighth seed, but they also aren't. If that makes sense, like they're better yeah. than a seventh, eighth seed, but they also aren't in a way. Like it's weird, where just like all the talent on paper makes them better than seventh, but their injuries and whatever else just has led them to being a seventh or eighth team. Like you say too, Charlotte is higher than being a ninth seed. Like Charlotte should be, you know, probably where Miami is at six or even Atlanta at five, which we'll talk about on Friday with those teams. But I don't know. I, I just, I feel like the Celtics are better than where they are, but they'll probably lose to the Wizards. I think in a one-game situation, Beal and Westbrook just take advantage of the Celtics. Uh, in the West, so you have the Grizzlies playing the – or no, you have the uh, Grizzlies playing the Lakers. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out at some point. Uh, who do you have winning that game, Grizzlies-Lakers? 
that game, I have the Lakers. Okay. Um, you know, they've got championship DNA. Um, and I don't really think that Jaron Jackson could do anything to stop AD. Uh, yeah, that seems like a bit of a mismatch. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, Laker defense, like team defense and Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso could definitely uh, give John Morant some troubles. Um, and I just don't think the Grizzlies have the entire depth around them to keep up. Okay. That's a fair point. Uh, I have the Warriors playing the Spurs um, in the in the final play-in game. And if it was 2014, that would be a really fun matchup. But in 2021, I think the Warriors and Steph beat San Antonio. Now we're all this shit. <laughs> um, I, here's the thing. I think if, if John Morant will, will you know, give – Fits to DeJounte Murray. I'm, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry would also give fits to DeJounte Murray. I think mm-hmm. that's just how good he is. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to some awards. Uh, we have one more question I want to ask at the end. But first, uh, SYP creator Keith says, your picks for the season awards. So we'll go through the uh, – I have a list of how we'll go through – um, we'll start with MVP. Who's your pick for MVP right now as we speak on Monday afternoon? Uh, Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I, I can't see it being anybody else. So pretty much on FanDuel, because we're shouting out the betting companies today, mm-hmm. um, Jokic has plus 6,000 6, odds, so uh, I think 6 to 1 odds. Curry's at plus 2,400. Embiid at plus 2,700. And then Giannis and Chris Paul and Damian Lillard are also long shots for MVPs. I, I especially especially with I think we talked about before with Jamal Murray, you know, out. I think it's Jokic. I I, I don't know how it's not Jokic at this point. Gotta love the big man who can do anything. And yeah, we'll do sure. and we'll do anything. That he will do anything too. Seriously, like he'll do anything on a basketball court. It's actually insane. Um, easy, another layup for you, rookie of the year. Uh, I, I think we all know where you're going with this, but who's your rookie of the year? Uh, I got LaMelo Ball. Okay. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards, I was thinking about him just because he's so damn funny. Uh, but really, I think it's LaMelo. Do you, so you don't think uh, the uh, what was it the, the video with Cardi B? Uh, you don't uh, you don't what, what was the was it yes sir was that the actual when you hit the uh, <laughs> almost the staples button it's like yes sir so your 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 like <laughs> that that does not help him win rookie of the year is what you're telling me. No, I'm saying that that really did help him. Um, that helped. That helped. Okay. That helped him for sure. Uh, I just think that I think that it's kind of a weird that when you think about MVPs or like even six men of the year awards, you take winning as a factor. Yeah. Um, but it's strange that you don't take winning as a factor when you do the rookie of the year races, uh, you know, cause really Lamelo has been a key contributor to the Hornets team. And before he got injured, they were a fourth seed and, you know, he got injured and then they dropped down the standings, came back, you know, kept them afloat. He helped keep them afloat. Um, 
And, you know, other rookies have been playing on teams that are like 13th seed, 15th seed, 12th seed. Um, you know, all these other rookies are playing on lottery teams. Their stats get inflated because they're like the main options or like, you know, I just think that winning should be a factor in the rookie of the year race as well. Yeah, LaMelo Ball is my rookie of the year. Uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, trying to will the A-Rod J-Lo relationship back into the works. I don't think it's happening. I think J-Lo is seeing somebody else now. And now A-Rod's buying the team, buying the T-Wolf, so good for A-Rod. Uh, other names I'm just going to throw out there. I don't think they're going to win. I, it is LaMelo, but just other names I'm going to throw out there. Kyrie Halliburton, who's had a really good year with Sacramento, and Emmanuel quickly on the Knicks. So those are other two long shots, but it's probably going to be Ball and then Edwards. So that's your rookie of the year conversation. It's kind of been a quiet, quieter year for the rookies. Like you have like the, the two, I, at least, at least like for like top end, like rookie of the year candidate type rookies, if that makes sense. Like I, okay. like, I think rookies have sprinkled themselves all over in, you know, different places and they've contributed here or there. But in mm. terms of actually having like a full on rookie win the award this year, uh, it's, I think it's been quieter than in years past. And not to say anything bad about Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards, like those guys have, or, or Halliburton or Quickly for that matter. Like all of those guys have been major contributors in one way or another for their team. But just in terms of trying to find a whole lot of rookie of the year candidates, it's, it's been a little bit of slim pickings. That's my speak your piece hot take. Uh, so okay. the ball was rookie of the year defensive player of the year. Again, I think this one's quite obvious, but who do you have for your defensive player of the year? Um, you know, I think this one's pretty tight for me. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Gobert. Okay. Um, you know, he's the clear favorite and I just don't think, you know, I had other guys as well. Like Miles Turner was my front runner, but then he had it. He unfortunately got injured. So we're not going to see him really compete for that defensive player of the year. Um, you know, another guy, I would say Bam Adebayo, uh, you know, realistically, he does a bit more variety of things than Gobert does on defense. Um, and he's better at guarding smaller players. Um, you know, it's... But I think Gobert at the end of the day wins it because he's so dominant in blocking shots and protecting the paint. Um, you know, he has his slip-ups every time he messes up on defense That's that blows up on social media. Um, nobody likes Gobert on social media. I'm sorry. But uh, again, I don't want to bring it up every time we talk about Utah or uh, fucking, you know, Gobert, but like, come on. Like, we know why Gobert gets slandered on the internet. Yeah, we totally know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's unfortunate that that kind of impacts his uh, NBA, what he does on the basketball court, but. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Um, you know what? I I I think it's Gobert's award to lose, but but I'm gonna say Ben Simmons. Okay. I'll say Ben Simmons. Okay. Um, because I think this has been a really good year for Ben Simmons. 
And Embiid. I mean, Embiid's like a long shot along with Giannis to win mm. like defensive player of the year. Like Giannis and Embiid especially are long shots. But I'm going to say Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons has had a, a, a you know, a resurgent season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like his defensive game is getting better every year, it seems like. His team is now first seed in the East. Now you could say Gobert's team is first in the West, which is totally fair, understandable. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. And for all the animosity that he's gone through over his career, I'm going to give him Defensive Player of the Year this year. And I can't wait to get yelled and screamed at on the internet for that. But I will say Ben Simmons. Okay. So I was I was kind of considering Ben Simmons uh, earlier in the year. But once I started watching some Philly games, I kind of thought that Ben Simmons' defensive impact wasn't as big as I thought it was simply because you have like Embiid also, you know, up there for defensive player of the year. And um, what is his name? Dwight Howard. I mean, yeah, there's Dwight Howard as well, <laughs> but also Matisse Tybele. Um, Tybele rules. Tybele rules. Yeah. You know, there's all these other guys that have such a huge defensive impact as well. And I, it's harder for me to give some, give it to Ben Simmons because there are so many other players that contribute on defense. Um, their team defense is really good. Utah's team defense is really good. I think that it comes down more to coaching than like individual defensive players though. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just a completely different looking team when Gobert's off the court. I will say for, I mean, for Philly, it, like all of their choices does water it down a little bit. Like Thibault, Embiid, Howard, even to a certain extent in the minutes that he plays, because that's kind of what his role, it seems like. I mean, he, you know, he can put up a little bit of offense, but I think they just like him as having like a, a big anchor in the back. Um, but I'll go with Simmons. I'll say Ben Simmons. I'll give him a little bit of praise after all the years of just shitting on Philadelphia and just like, what the fuck are you actually doing, Philadelphia? And this year they actually look like a, a you know, a competent basketball team. So... Congratulations, uh, Ben Simmons, Philadelphia. Uh, Sixth Man of the Year award. Uh, I'll go first with this one. I'm going to say Jordan Clarkson. Uh, my boy, yeah. Jordan Clarkson, who I was uh, I was a supporter and a fan of when he was on the Lakers. Uh, bounced around, you know, Cleveland. Now he's in Utah. He's coming alive in Utah. People forgot about Jordan Clark- Clarkson. He's back. He's legit. He's got the perfect role in Utah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm rolling with my boy Jordan Clarkson. But i like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so I did write an article on this. And uh, I know you enjoyed that article because yeah. uh, you, you told me you enjoyed it. Um, but my pick was Joe Ingles. Uh, you know, that's it's, it seems weird at first, but if you look at Joe Ingles' numbers, he's one of the most effective players in the NBA. Uh, this guy's shooting phenomenal numbers, and he's got the—I believe—he has the highest effective field goal percentage in the NBA for a guard, which means that he is shooting lights out. Um, you know, he knows his role. He just comes in, he just comes off the bench, and you know, he gets buckets. I mean, he doesn't look like he gets buckets, but he gets buckets. See, my—the only thing I'm afraid of with Clarkson is that I feel like he might think he's the like best option. 
or the guy who should mm-hmm. be taking the, the shot in clutch moments when he absolutely shouldn't be. And I know Ingles doesn't feel I, – I don't think Ingles feels that way. I don't get that same vibe from Clarkson. Okay. I feel like Ingles, you know, he might if he's asked to, but he knows he's not the top guy. Clarkson might think he's the top guy because uh, he's Jordan Clarkson. Kind of hot shit. Um, but I still love him. He's great. He's cool. Yeah. Um, a- another name, by the way, long shot, according to FanDuel, uh, Jalen Brunson. Okay. To win sixth man of the year. That is that is a long shot for sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, he's, been, he's he's definitely a guy who could also be a long shot for most improved player. Um, he's been a very good two-way guard, and he's definitely improved his scoring, his defense. Um, he's been really quite good for the Mavs, but I think there are other six-man-of-the-year candidates I would definitely take over him. Did you think before we started this podcast I would bring up the name Jalen Brunson? Did you think? No. No? No, I, right. I, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I definitely did not prepare for that one. Uh, MIP, most improved player. Um, I Again, this should be quite obvious, but uh, I'll let you go first as to who you think the MIP should be. Uh, go ahead. It's Julius Randle by yeah. far. <laughs> You, you really can't say anybody else. I, I just think it's, you know, it's just, it's been one for so many months already. Uh, Julius Randall at, Randall at plus 8,000 odds, which is a lot. Uh, Jeremy Grant at plus 1,900. So like 19 to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Jr. at plus 3,000 to win most improved. Mm-hmm. So 30 to one. Uh, and Christian Wood. At fifteen thousand, so one hundred and fifty to one. Um, all those guys have had like decent seasons outside of Randall. You know, Grant, MPJ, Wood. They've all had good seasons. Nobody has had the season like Julius Randall has with the Knicks. So you, mm-hmm. you have to give it to Randall. Yeah, I mean, he goes from you know, an above average starter in the league to potential dark horse MVP candidate. Um, you know, he, he's made a huge leap this year. And, you know, he's just a really hard worker. Uh, even when he was on the Lakers, he would improve every year. Uh, I definitely watched a few too many Julius Randle games. Uh, you know, uh, as a, you know, when he was on the Lakers, of course. Uh, I mean, no, but that team, that team was, you know, Randle... Lonzo Ball, Jordan Clarkson, Brandon Ingram. Oh, yeah, it was fun. Insert uh, dude at center, and away <laughs> you go. Yep, that's, that's how it was. Great uh, times. Uh, any, other, any other things you want to say on the awards before we move on to some, some more mailbag questions? Um, I don't know. I think... I feel like there's such clear favorites for each award. Um, I just feel like the, you know, the top one, top two candidates in each award are just so far ahead of, you know, their counterparts, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, make a hot take about it. Yeah, um, I, I can't, I can't see it happening. Um, it's, it, it, it is pretty, not closed and, and shut, but, pretty much locked up most of the major awards. I'd say probably six man is maybe the 
biggest debate for who could win that, but it's between, yeah. that's between Clarkson and Ingles. Um, I thought we, I, I was going to save some of these questions for Friday and I will, but there are a few that I want to answer here. Uh, yeah. Also from Tanner, best plan moving forward for the Raptors. Because the Raptors, as we speak, 27-45, uh, missed the playoffs, 12th seed in the East, my, a, a negative 0.4 point differential, which, I mean, only the you know the Pacers had a like the Pacers had an even point differential for teams that weren't positive. So it was like positive teams, and then the Pacers at zero, like same point, same point scored, same points against, and then the Raptors had four tenths below that. Um, what do you do if you're the Raptors? going forward um i definitely think you need to move some guys you you need to move guys like aaron baines chris boucher um just got older guys you need to get them out of there and i think i just don't see moving forward how chris boucher evolves again from from like a limited usage player to a six fan. I just don't know how he becomes a starter. Um, he's kind of a niche player. And also Aaron Baines is just God awful. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that was, um, we'll, we'll discuss that later on too, but that I was, I was really high on Baines at the start uh, of the season as a deal for the Raptors. Like, uh, uh, you know, low cost, high reward player. And the reward was not high with Aaron Baines. Yeah. I definitely think you need to drop some of these older players, um, like Boucher, Baines, Rodney Hood, uh, free up cap space, bring in, you could bring in more young talent, smaller contracts and try and try and get some consistent players. Maybe, maybe veterans that, you know, have winning pedigrees. Um, I would definitely next year look at guys, guys who go from team to team and win really, um, you know, guys like, like on Phoenix, uh, you know, everyone talks about Chris Paul, but, uh, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder's, you know, Jay Crowder has been a great player in the league. You know, he's always known his role and he always contributes to every team quite a lot. Uh, I think you need to get players that kind of just will come in to, onto your team, buy in, um, and will help out the young guys, you know. Here's the thing. I think there, I think there are a couple ways you could do this if you're the Raptors. My way to be would be to build around Siakam, Fred, and Gary Trent. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are the three guys you should be building around. You could just tear it all down, which I think would be a, a bad plan because I think Siakam and Fred have the most value to the Raptors. I don't, I, I don't like, you don't hear other teams or fan bases from other teams being like, oh, you know who we could, you know, if we could get Siakam or if we could get Fred, then our team is complete. Like you don't hear that. Um, and maybe that's just because of the Toronto thing and being North of the border and all that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I have the feeling that Siakam and Fred are more valuable to the Raptors than anybody else, making them harder to move. Um, but if you really just want to tear it all down and start over again, 
and probably you, Simon Jerry, has the leash to do so after winning the championship. If he if he really wants to go in that direction, I'm not saying he should or he would, but if he wants to go that direction, he can. Um, and then kind of like you say, just get rid of some guys, bring in some new guys, some younger guys, some fresh faces, and try something new. You can do that as well. Um, but I would probably just build, maybe go through the draft, maybe try and you know stockpile some assets to get you know, some help for Fred and Siakam. You know, I don't think, you know, that they're going in a bad direction. Um, they've had, they have quite a lot of talented young guys and, you know, they've signed guys to full contracts, extensions. Um, you know, they recently signed Ken Birch due to Watanabe, uh, which I thought were really good moves. I just think that they don't have, um, outside of Kyle, they don't really have a veteran presence or a uh, reliable guys with experience um you know aaron baines has never been like a super standout player and he hasn't really stood out to me as a key contributor on many teams um you know he's been around on you know he sat on the spurs bench when they won the championship and he was you know on a limited bench role for the celtics when they were making deeper playoff runs um post the Boston big three era, you know, I just think they need more guys that can come in and lead as an example. Um, I think they kind of lost that when they got rid of Ibaka and uh, Marcus Um And I don't know, I don't know how it's been in the locker room. I think it's kind of just, you know, to me thinking it's probably just been everyone looking at the Kyle Lowry for advice. And I think it's hard to do that if you're in the NBA and you can, you can see on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you can see, um, you know, rumors about, you know, this guy wants out, this guy's going to get traded. Um, you know, just seeing that the guy that you look up to, you rely on, that might want out, might, might be leaving. Um, you know, I think that's hard if you're a young guy who, you know, looks up to on that team, looking up to Kyle Lowry, respects Lowry. I think it might be hard to, um, you know, buy into what Lowry says if you think he's if you think he's going to leave you guys. But you know, they have a lot of young, talented guys, and I think that the only way they go is up. Two things: one, I think this season was a complete write-off, anyways. Mm-hmm. The fact that they had to move to Florida and they've had, you know, they had some COVID issues, if I remember correctly. And yeah. just just the whole situation in itself was just weird. Like, I don't think this season truly represents who the Raptors are. I, and, I, and I don't think you can bring Kyle Lowry, unless it's on the right contract, unless it's for the right amount of money. I, I don't think you're bringing Kyle back. And I don't, I don't think the players disrespect him or, or don't like him or didn't, wouldn't listen to him because of the fact they think that he's moving and all the trade deadline rumors and all that. I just think that they respect him. He's been the face of the franchise for the last eight years or so, eight, nine years, 10 years. And yeah. I, I just think things run its course and it might be time to move on. I, I And I don't know that. Kyle Lowry needs to be back in Toronto anyways. So we'll see. And who knows, maybe, uh, you know, 
this team is is another you know is a playoff team next year that's in the hunt and fighting with the Boston's and Milwaukee's and Phillies of the world or, or the or the Brooklyn's. So we'll see. Yeah. Who who knows? Yeah, uh, I think not, realistically though, um, you know, other than rebuilding, I think if you wanted to turn this squad this year into a playoff team, um, they needed they definitely needed to go and get. Uh, like a really good shot blocker. They definitely missed that this year. Um, you know, they kind of ran through the whole center rotation. They were kind of looking there. You know, they started with Aaron Baines. Oh, he's not very good. Uh, they, you know, they tested out Boucher. He's not really what we're looking for. They've been using Ken Birch, um, relatively kind of untested guy. Um, you know, he's not there yet. I'm not, you know, he definitely could get there but realistically this team didn't have very good rebounders they didn't have guys who cleaned the boards they didn't have elite shot blockers and they kind of have this play style where it's like a small ball team but everyone is like six seven six eight um they definitely needed paint protection and you know it's unfortunate they missed out on guys like fred uh and kyle the whole most of the year and you know um, it would have been nice to see Gary Trent play more games this year. He's been dealing with some injuries. But, you know, I think they're quite good around the guard area, even in the forward area with Siakam and Anunobi. Um, they were just lacking, like, a guy who will protect the paint and be the backbone of the team. They definitely, even with Lowry and OG and Siakam, Fred, all those guys, like Gary Trent, they definitely still felt like they were missing a piece this year. Mm-hmm. They were they were missing just one more guy who could put it all together, who could be maybe a glue guy and help seal the deal for them. I'm not saying that, you know, the Kawhi thing is, is still a difference two years later. But if they can get another piece, if they can add just one more talented guy to mm-hmm. compete with Siak and, and probably like, a you know, an inside player who could be really good in the paint, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to find. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll do some free agent podcasts, you know, yeah. later on, and we, you know, we can get really deep dive into that. But they they definitely are one, if not two, pieces away from really putting themselves, I think, up into that upper echelon mm-hmm. of, of elite teams in the East. Yeah, I think, you know, this year they're definitely missing out on uh, what Sergi Baca does for them every night. You know, he for like nearly a decade, he's been every night like 15-7, 15-7, 15-7. And he's been like an elite shot blocker. And, you know, I think it would have been easier on them for the COVID protocols if they had some of those like ginormous scarves that Sergi Baca always had them wear. <laughs> I really think, you know, that's got to... Who, up your body temperature at least 20 degrees who needs a mask when you can just have one of Serge Ibaka's scarves right exactly Definitely. uh we'll go through one more question uh, also from tanner if we didn't answer your questions on this podcast they're going to be answered on friday's podcast because some of them are related to the actual playoffs so i want to get to those on friday uh most underrated moment of the nba season for you do you have a most underrated moment for this year mm. the season's been kind of, it's been a weird season because of the there's been a lot of blowouts especially in like the nationally televised mm. games 
Um, weird year with fans now starting to get into the building more and more. You know, we didn't have fans at the start of the year in some places. Um, I'm trying to think of just if you have an underrated moment, go for it and share your underrated moment this season. But I'm, I'm still thinking here. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Bradley Beal hits a three and then Joe Harris inbounds the ball, messes up, and then West, you know, they get it to Westbrook, he hits a three and they win the game. Uh, that was that was hilarious to watch. Um, you know, I don't think that gets enough hype. Like that that was that was crazy. I think the most underrated moment this season was. This, this, I'm saying this because I think this could have an impact in future games. But remember mm. when remember when New York was playing Brooklyn, and I think it might have been yeah. in Brooklyn. And Julius Randle got screwed on a call. I can't remember what the call mm. was, but yeah. he was pissed. He was angry. And he was right because the refs missed the call. And it didn't seem like it in real time. But on the replay, they missed. It might have been a travel or something that they missed. But yeah, they called him for a travel. Yeah. And he was almost going to go up to the refs and look like about to knock him out. But the teammates held him back, and he went back to the dressing room fuming and I think it's just an underrated moment because now it was against Brooklyn and people I think then were starting to you know recognize oh the Knicks got screwed here this Randall guy loves the Knicks he seems to love the Knicks playing for the Knicks wants his team to do well but also it's against the Brooklyn Nets and now we're kind of reigniting the New York rivalry with the Nets and the Knicks and if there's any sort of future matchup maybe in the playoffs this year if it happens somehow um that would just be cool and exciting to see that happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very possible because they would, based on how the standings are, they would meet in the second round if both of them won. Um, and that would just be a that would just be a fun match. Brooklyn probably wins that, mm-hmm. but I just think it'd be a really fun match. It's nice to have the Knicks doing well. Like, the, it, yeah. like. I don't hate the Knicks. I want the Knicks to do well. I think it's basketball. Like if you've ever been to Madison square garden, Madison square garden, it's the nicest building I've ever walked to in my entire life. So a playoff hockey game there. It was just insane. Gorgeous. Like I'm want, I want the Knicks to do well. I think it's cool mm-hmm. when the Knicks do well. I think it's cool when the biggest team and the biggest market succeeds. And, and hopefully the, the Knicks, you know, I hope this isn't just a one-off for them. I, I like yeah, that's why I'm sure. hoping. Like that's why I think that moment with Randall earlier in the year could kind of like was kind of the start of something here, and a spark. But we'll see. Who knows? Um, anything else? Any other hot takes? Predict. I mean, we're gonna do a, a playoff, a full playoff preview on Friday night. It'll come out Saturday. Um, any other thoughts? Hot takes? Things you want to get off your chest before we head out here? Playing award related. Hot takes. Russ puts up 40 against Boston. (laughs) That's your hot take? I think that's my hot take. Okay. I already said San Antonio and Indiana are winning earlier, but I'll say Russ puts up 40 against Boston. Whatever whatever his uh, over under uh, player prop is, take the over. (laughs) Um, My hot take. Man, I gotta, I gotta th- I'm trying to think of a good one, but also trying to think of one that's like semi-realistic. 
uh, right away, uh, Russ is, according to DraftKings, uh, Russ is over under mm-hmm. uh, for the Boston game is 24 and a half points. I take the over on that. Um, my hot take is that the Bucks are first round exit. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh. We'll save, that for, we'll save that for Friday. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk that about for, that more. We'll talk about that on Friday. All right, thank you very much for listening to part one. Be sure to listen to part two when it comes out Saturday. Uh, thank you for all for listening. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, you know where to find our stuff. We created a link tree, by the way. So now you can find all of our different links, website, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, fucking Instagram, social links. Go find us there. Go check it out. We'll share it in this pod. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out.